0: Hey what's going on it's Anthony Dean and you're listening to change the game podcast for Sunday February 16th 2020 what's going on guys how are y'all doing today uh, I am great happy all-star weekend if you are in the great city of Chicago I know you've had a great time so far obviously the all-star game is tonight This episode is not going to be the NBA episode being uploaded tomorrow afternoon is going to be the very first actual NBA episode because we did have the Kobe Bryant episode, but that wasn't really an NBA. That was that was a Kobe episode. So that will be uploaded tomorrow. But today's episode, if you remember, the last episode was the NFL season wrap up talked about Super Bowl 54 and the mvp and all of that this episode we're going back to movies like i said i did promise two movie podcasts within last week and this week we're just doing one um in a couple weeks i will have my top 20 favorite movies of all time that episode will be uploaded possibly in a couple weeks This episode is going to be the top 10 movies of the decade. Last Sunday was the Oscars. Pretty good award show. I was very happy that Brad Pitt won Best Supporting Actor and Joaquin Phoenix won Best Male Actor uh, for his role in the Joker. That was pretty good. Those were my favorite awards along with Toy Story 4 winning Best Animated Feature Film. Uh, But like I said, we're going to celebrate movies and the past decade. I'm going through the top 10 movies of the decade, and we're kicking off the list with number 10. I got Dawn of the Planet of the Apes in at number 10, the 2014 science fiction action film directed by Matt Reeves. Uh, What a movie this is. It's the sequel to the 2011 film Rise of the Planet of the Apes this was one of my favorite movies of the decade uh just a great story and then of course you have the awesome action you've got apes riding on horses with machine guns just the ridiculous sci-fi action but then you have a really great story in there with the kind of with caesar and he's trying to maintain dominance over the community of intelligent apes and you have apes that don't agree with him and you think Caesar gets killed when he's obviously not killed but I mean it's just there's betrayal it's there's some Shakespeare elements in this movie which is pretty crazy to say in a movie that you know has like I said apes riding on horses with machine guns you also have an almost Shakespearean story of betrayal in the community of apes and then you have of course the humans trying to survive and it's just the war going on of course and then it all leads into the third film The War of the Planet of the Apes which I also really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the entire trilogy of The Planet of the Apes uh from 2011, 2014 and 2017. But my personal favorite for sure was Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I think they did a great job and it was a great story. You- I was really invested in this movie, and then of course you have, like I said, you have the the sci-fi, the ridiculousness, the great action. I mean, and how much? If you say you don't love watching apes riding horses with machine guns, you just don't know how to have fun. I mean, that's that that's the poster of the movies. Got Caesar with the with the AK-47 raising it up, riding a horse. I mean, you, you just can't get much better than that. But just it's crazy how. They are able to take something with a premise like that, but also weave in a fantastic story in there. Take Shakespearean elements and really just flesh out this narrative and the plot that started from Rise of the Planet of the Apes and really continue this movie. They did a great job with that. Uh, Definitely one of my favorite movies of the decade. It comes in at number 10. And coming in at number 9 is Captain America the Winter Soldier. The second Captain America movie. Definitely my favorite Captain America movie. I know I used to say actually that Civil War was my favorite Captain America movie. But upon thinking about it more and more and doing this list especially. I realized that Captain America the Winter Soldier is definitely my favorite Captain America movie. You have a political thriller inside of the mcu and they do such a great job of just showing the corruption of shield and really it's all told through the perspective of captain america who was frozen for almost 80 years he gets out of the ice he joins up with the avengers they stop the alien invasion and now captain america really has to figure out how to settle in into life in the current times now he's he's from world war ii era and now he's all the way into present times this was released in 2014 just like dawn of the planet of the apes was and those two movies for me were were neck and neck i have captain america the winter soldier slightly above it like i said in when i had the podcast of my favorite movie from every year 2014 captain america the winter soldier was my favorite movie from that year i mean like i said a political thriller set inside the mcu not that i'm the biggest fan of political thrillers i'm not somebody who goes out seeking them but this one is something that i just absolutely loved like i said watching shield just you see the corruption within shield and i was all for it just you have scarlett johansson as black widow in there my guy samuel l jackson as nick fury you just, Robert Redford I mean that he did a great job he played a fantastic villain of course you have my guy my guys Anthony and Joe Russo in at director the same directors of Captain America Civil War and Avengers Infinity War and Endgame Possibly the four best movies in the MCU. Really, in my opinion, those are the four best movies in the MCU. All directed by the brother team of Anthony and Joe Russo. Just a fantastic movie. Anthony Mackie starring as Falcon. Falcon. Uh, the the newest Avenger he hasn't become an Avenger yet, of course, but of course he is going to become an Avenger and it really starts off his story really well as you see that even he has gone through some stuff in the past. You see that he is um, speaking at I believe it was an AA meeting that he was uh, the leader of uh, something like that or like a, a trauma group, I believe something like that and you know Captain America Steve Rogers he comes to trust him as everything in shield falls apart the maybe the best scene inside of the mcu and it it's definitely up there the fight in the elevator with captain america and all the shield agents where you see all these people are loading up into the elevator they're all surrounding captain america and he just captain knows he knows what's about to happen and before we get started does anybody want to get out and then you, you got this awesome fight and then it leads into the little chase scene and then captain america takes out the the plane and i mean that that scene was just awesome and how he lands with the shield and epic epic moments and of course then you've got the winter soldier he faces off against him uh, kind of halfway through the movie before he gets arrested by shield And he rips the mask off and he finds out this guy is his buddy, his best friend, Bucky Barnes. Who he thought he was killed in the first Captain America movie. And now all of a sudden you see that Captain America has a dilemma to face because he cannot kill his best friend. He cannot kill Bucky Barnes. And you have the awesome final confrontation where... They have to stop the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarriers from taking off because they're going to just try to basically bomb almost the entire world. I mean, they're going to take out cities and cities. A lot of people are going to die if they don't stop it, and they do stop it. And you have the, the very emotional final battle between Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. But really, it's Steve Rogers against Bucky Barnes, a very tortured Bucky Barnes whose mind has been warped. And you saw in the movie, they really tried to warp his mind more because he 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 started to remember Steve Rogers, his, his friend, and, you know, Bucky Barnes is Captain America just throws the shield away. He stops fighting and Bucky is just pounding on him. He says, you're my mission. And he says, uh, Steve Rogers, excuse me, says, well, then finish it because I'm with you to the end of the line which is a callback to the first movie and he just stops and then you see they both fall out of the sky you see at the end Bucky Barnes drags Steve Rogers out of the water saves his life and then leaves and then it all leads into obviously civil war and it really sets up civil war so brilliantly where you now see Steve Rogers distrust with organizations with government with S.H.I.E.L.D. and it's all, you know, he comes from a time where World War II was a lot more black and white for him, where you had the Nazis are evil and America is good, right? Now it's a lot of gray area where he thought, okay, S.H.I.E.L.D. is good. This is America. This is good. But S.H.I.E.L.D. was not good. S.H.I.E.L.D. was actually evil. It was infiltrated by HYDRA. And the idea of S.H.I.E.L.D. may have been good, but it was infiltrated by HYDRA. And is for years that HYDRA organize things as he finds out in the movie and just everybody in this movie did a fantastic job it was a great start for anthony and joe russo in the mcu uh obviously my favorite directors in the mcu because they produce my four favorite mcu films just a fantastic movie great job on this one it comes in at number nine but coming in at number eight is Last year's release, maybe the best movie of last year, that is Joker, Joaquin Phoenix winning best actor for his role in Joker. And this was a psychological thriller and just, it delves into how a man can turn to insanity, how a man can become so broken by society. And they do a really good job of discussing things That, honestly, people probably don't want to discuss. Mental health issues. And, you know, I know that when really terrible tragedies occur, the first thing that people do is they say, oh, well, mental health, right? They throw it out. And sometimes it is BS. No doubt about it. They just throw that in there. The lawyers throw it in there to try to get their clients off. No doubt. But this movie is a great representation of showing how Mental illness really can't turn a man to insanity, and it's just such a great movie. Joaquin Phoenix was absolutely fantastic. This is my favorite Joaquin Phoenix role. I thought you could have given the Oscar to him or Leonardo DiCaprio for his role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I am very happy that Joaquin won, though. He's never won an Oscar. He's one of the greatest actors of all time well-deserving it is time for denzel to get an oscar now now that leo and joaquin both have one time for denzel to get one pretty bogus that he doesn't have one but robert de niro I gotta say, Robert De Niro was absolutely fantastic. I did not expect him to be as good in this movie as he was. You really bought the fact that he was a TV show host. He did all the little quips that the TV show host did, pointing to the band, and he just had all the energy. You really felt like, okay, this is this is a late-night show host, a Johnny Carson-type figure, because it's from that era of like, the Johnny Carson days. kind of reminds you of that type of talk show, and you see that Arthur Fleck, which is his name before he becomes joker. He has a lot of things that he sees that really aren't there. He throws you off the the girl that he was with that you think he's dating, but he she was never dat. He saw her one time in the elevator and he followed her to her work at the bank. And of course, nothing else that you see with her is real. And that is what's crazy. You think, okay, this is a, it was very crazy because she kisses him. And you're like, wow, why did she kiss him so fast? And it's, it's all weird. And then they have this little relationship come to find out she was never there. And you find out when he's, when he's in her apartment and she screams and she says, my daughter's in the other room. And all of a sudden they show all these flashbacks and they show that Arthur was by himself the whole time thinking that he was with her on dates just by himself and you just see and i loved how if he killed her you never see it you never see it all you hear you hear some police sirens you see him in his own apartment just laughing and it's very sad to see how society treats men. starts off with the movie starts off making you feel so bad from where those guys beat the crap out of him and then you come to find out maybe he own, maybe that didn't happen you know, it's like what is real and what isn't. That's I think another powerful part of this movie is you don't really know what's real and what's not. And then of course, Robert De Niro's character absolutely trashes him for his his comedy show which again, in his mind he thought he saved himself, but he never did. He just laughed hysterically throughout most of the time because he has that condition. Where he could just start laughing uncontrollably and it's just like wow and he makes fun of him on show and then he invites him on the show of course. Then he becomes Joker of course he kills his mother you know and then he weaves you weave in the Thomas Wayne storyline where is Thomas Wayne really the Joker's father? It's actually pretty funny when you think about it because it's like well does that mean that Joker and Batman are actually uh, stepbrothers half-brothers? But, you know, it probably wasn't, obviously, Joker, uh, Arthur Fleck's mom was crazy as well. So really, you don't know if Thomas Wayne is his father or not. He confronts him, Thomas Wayne punches him, because that creepy scene at the Wayne Manor where he puts his hands on young young Bruce, makes the smile, and then he really almost chokes out Alfred, uh, the butler, of course, and man just a fantastic movie all building up to the finale of the movie and this is where i must say again this is a major spoiler for joker i mean i've kind of spoiled a little bit of it i'm gonna be honest this is a spoiler warning for every movie that you hear Uh, if you haven't seen it i would probably skip past this part skip a little bit in the future if you don't care about spoilers go ahead and keep listening i mean regardless if you see it after you listen to this it's still going to be amazing all these movies are going to be amazing let me tell you but Joker of course remember he kills um his buddy from from the comedy play uh from you know the the clown place he brutally kills him uh because he gave him the gun and you don't even know if he gave him the gun obviously that's what's crazy about this movie is you don't even know if he actually did it but I believe that he did. But it, it's all up to interpretation at this point. He brutally kills him. He lets the uh, the short guy, he lets him go. Because he said, you're the only one who was ever nice to me. He lets him go. And he, he's got his face all painted at this point. And then you have the fantastic scene on the steps with rock and roll all night playing. And just probably my favorite scene of the movie. One of my favorite scenes of any movie is joker he is finally joker he's dancing and then all of a sudden those two detectives who were questioning him about the murders of the three um annoying college students from more so more towards the beginning of the movie when the first people that he killed and those guys had it coming like you could see that those guys really had it coming they're beating the crap out of him and he kills all three of them it was like, okay, that might have been justified, but now he's becoming absolutely insane. You go from that all the way to now he's on he's on the Murray Franklin show. And obviously he tells Murray to call him Joker before uh, when he introduces him. And of course it all builds up. You get what you effing deserve. Bang! The shot heard around the world in that universe. He kills murray franklin on his show on live tv and then you get the da. it makes me that song makes me think of the little um the homer i don't know if you ever seen the simpsons episode where homer is in the car and there's a bunch of chaos going around in this theater and he's singing that song he has no idea what's going on it was a concert i believe I haven't seen that episode in a while. I just, I just I always think of that episode of The Simpsons, that, that hilarious scene when I hear that song. But kind of similar to that, actually, because there's just chaos there. While that song is playing, you see all the news reports of Marie Franklin has been shot in his live show. They're showing the replays of it, of course. And then you see this all ties to the, uh, the Wayne murders. And this is one thing that I really loved about this movie is that In the story of Batman and Bruce Wayne and the Wayne family we've always seen the Wayne family portrayed from Bruce's perspective so he sees his dad as this good man who's trying to fix everything that's wrong with the city but in this story we're seeing it through the perspective of Arthur Fleck and honestly Thomas Wayne Seems like kind of an a-hole. He really does. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Like, he seems like an absolute terrible person. Maybe not terrible per se, Well, honestly, terrible from the perspective of somebody who's poor or not wealthy. Where Thomas Wayne is coming like, he says, you guys need me, basically. All the poor people and God, you need me to save you. He's just... He's a pretentious jerk. That's what he is in this film. And it's really interesting to see that perspective. And so you get the killings of Thomas and Martha where this, whoever he is, he's got the, all these people have these clown masks on because they're all inspired by the original killings of the rich kid. And they're wearing these masks, all these protests. And he says, hey, Wayne, you get what you effing deserve. He repeats Joker's lines and kills him and his wife, of course. So, Bruce is sitting right there. Of course, you have the ending. Kind of ambiguous. Did Joker kill that doctor or not? We don't know. It's just, there's a lot of things about this movie that you just don't know what really happened. And honestly, I can't recommend seeing this movie enough. It was my second favorite film of 2019. Of course, there was only one movie that I liked better than Joker. But this is easily one of my favorite movies ever will it make the top 20 list you'll have to find out it may it may not it is very close to the 20 range it may be in there it may not be so you have to tune in i may talk more about joker in that top 20 favorite movies of all time but like i said i can't recommend joker enough but coming in at number seven is creed the seventh rocky film on the rocky film series I got to be honest, I'm a huge fan of the Rocky series. When I heard that they were remaking Rocky, not really remaking, but telling a story of Apollo Creed's son, I thought, oh man, this! I hope this is really good. I hope they don't blow this. That was my thing. And then I heard Michael B. Jordan was going to be playing Adonis Creed and I was all in. Ryan Coogler who does a fantastic job directing this film. He wrote the film as well along with Aaron Covington. It's kind of a spin-off and a sequel at the same time just a great great movie Sylvester Stallone and maybe my my opinion maybe the biggest robbery in the history of the Oscars did not win best male supporting actor for his role I remember somebody at the time said isn't it poetic that in the end Rocky loses again and it's like yeah that's true but I just felt bad that Stallone didn't win because we all know Sylvester Stallone he was amazing in this role. This was one of this was by far his best acting job of his entire career. And I've watched a lot of Sylvester Stallone movies. One of my favorite actors of all time. Like I said, I'm a huge Rocky fan. My favorite movie character probably is Rocky. My father was, well, let me tell you, my father was the biggest Rocky fan probably ever. Those were his movies. You watched them all the time. I know my mom used to say, oh, we're watching Rocky again. But that's just how he was. I'm the same way. I got a lot of the same qualities where they show it on TV. And I'm all in for watching on TV. Even with the the dumb commercials. I don't like commercials. But for Rocky, I'll sit through some commercials. This movie though was absolutely fantastic. Out of all the Rocky movies, this is my third favorite Rocky movie. There are only two other ones that I like more. This movie definitely is going to hit the top 20 list. There are two other Rocky movies that'll hit maybe a third one as well. But again, sports drama film from 2015. Again, my favorite movie from 2015. And it's a story of Adonis Creed trying to find his identity as he finds out that he is he's Apollo Creed's son. And obviously Apollo Creed's wife takes him in as a boy. And he becomes this fighter. He's he starts off in the movie. He's fighting in Mexico, fighting cheap fights, and then he gets trained by Rocky Balboa. The world finds out that he is Apollo Creed's son, and he he fights the champion who is going to jail, of course. And I think one thing that I loved about this movie is they took maybe the most you know. Uh, let's be honest, Rocky Four is the most ridiculous Rocky movie, and. let's be honest i love rocky 4 i absolutely love rocky 4 but it is ridiculous because the almost the whole movie is montage there's more there's almost more montages than actual film in that movie but it is a great ride and the the sad but almost ridiculous nature of apollo creed dying you know it's a very sad moment they they really make it hit home that apollo creed died like that in this movie and in the sequel which i really enjoyed the sequel not as good as this one because of the character development of adonis creed you really feel his story in this how uh tony little doke Ev- uh evers jr who's the son of tony duke evans apollo creed's trainer and then rocky's trainer in rocky 4 you really end f- up uh, uh, rocky balboa as well you really feel his story and it's just a great, great ride. I love this movie a lot, I think. And then so he fights the world light heavyweight champion, pretty Ricky Conlon, who is going to be forced basically into retirement because he has to go to prison. So this is his last fight. They fight in Liverpool, his home country, and it's the whole crowd is on his side. There's a lot of parallels between this fight and the original Rocky. There's a lot of similarities between this, and believe it or not, I actually prefer this movie to the original Rocky film slightly. They're very close to each other, but I actually do prefer the this Creed movie to the original Rocky movie as blasphemous as that may sound to some. I think that this was an absolutely fantastic movie, easily well deserved of its spot as number seven. But coming in at number six is Logan, the 2017 superhero film starring Hugh Jackman as the title character wolverine it's the 10th film in the x-men film series and it's the third and final installment in the wolverine trilogy following the horrible x-men origins wolverine and then the decent the wolverine from 2013 this film is it takes inspiration from the mark miller and stephen mcniven novel old man logan it's based on an Alternate bleak future, and it follows an aged Wolverine and extremely ill Charles Xavier while they're trying to defend this young mutant named Laura from these villainous Reavers led by Donald Pierce and Xander Rice. And this movie is absolutely fantastic. It's a look into really the soul of Wolverine and a man who has just broken down and seen a lot and been through a lot as a person, as a superhero, per se. And as a mutant in this society, of course, Charles Xavier has been through it. And you see that they're really living the rest of their lives to save Laura, who is obviously related to Wolverine. She has the claws as well. And you get some brutal action. This is a rated R movie, and it is well deserving of that rated R. This was a movie I remember seeing in the theaters and just being blown away. And it gives you all the emotion you want. It's one of my favorite movies ever. This is such a great movie. I can't say enough how awesome this movie is. Like what they were able to do with this film. I know it grossed like over 600 million worldwide. I wish it I wish it grossed more to be honest. I mean, it deserved to gross more, but of course, you know a rated R movie is pretty hard to gross a lot of money. I believe Joker did hit a billion, which was awesome. This movie was going to be really hard to get hit a billion, that's for sure. But obviously, Laura was created to be a weapon, just like Wolverine was created to be a weapon. So this story is about them protecting her. The whole story is about making sure that Laura is able to be alive at the end. So, of course, it all builds up to the end where Logan is near death and he tells Laura not to become the weapon that she was made to be and then she she's crying and she acknowledges Wolverine as her father and he dies peacefully in her arms and it's just such a sad moment it's everything you want out of a superhero movie this one gives you but this is more than a superhero film this is where I push back at people like Martin Scorsese you say those superhero movies are ruining film no they're not Movies like this prove that superhero movies are more than superhero movies. And also Joker as well. Two movies in my top 10 of the decade. And listen, they both are well deserving of awards. I wish that Logan had won Best Picture that year. You knew it wasn't going to. But just a absolutely fantastic movie. Absolutely great. I can't say enough great things about this movie one of my favorites for sure. But coming in at number five is Warrior, a movie that I recently saw and I've seen it a couple times now, and this is quickly becoming one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a 2011 American sports drama film directed by Gavin O'Connor, also written by O'Connor, Cliff Dorfman, and Anthony Tambakis. And it stars Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton. Joel Edgerton, by the way, who played Uncle Ben in Attack of the Clones and briefly in Revenge of the Sith uh the two star wars prequel films and then it also stars nick nolte as their father and he was nominated for an oscar as best supporting actor and he probably should have won to be honest uh you have jennifer morrison and frank grillo also star in this movie and it's about two brothers and really a whole family you've got three characters who you're not rooting against any of these characters this is a unique film where all the main characters are people that you you really want to succeed you have tom hardy's character who's a former uh runaway u.s marine tommy riordan uh who took his mother's name so he couldn't get arrested because obviously he left uh the military he and he he abandoned his base abandoned his fellow troops you got patty conlin who's a recovering alcoholic uh, who has returned to his catholic faith uh of course Tommy had to run away from Patty with his dying mother when he was just a boy because Patty was an abusive alcoholic. And, of course, Tommy has never quite forgiven him. Tommy ends up going into a gym where, in less than a minute, he knocks out one of the top middleweights in the world, a professional fighter named Pete Mad Dog Grimes. The video goes viral, so that's how Tommy is able to get into this MMA tournament called Sparta where this guy is putting up $5 million of his own money which is going to go straight to the winner of this tournament. Then you meet Tommy's older brother, Brendan. Brendan Conlon, who is a high school physics teacher and he's a former MMA fighter who's struggling to provide for his wife test played by Jennifer Morrison and his two daughters. He's, he had to mortgage his house so he could pay for his young daughter's open-heart surgery, and now he's in danger of losing everything. Uh, so, you know, to to increase income, to make more money, he's fighting cheap fights you know outside of bars outside of strip clubs and all of a sudden the rumors of this spread around the school he's suspended indefinitely and so now he's got one option left he has to get into this fighting tournament so he seeks the training of his old friend frank Capana, played by frank grillo and he begins competing in the smaller venue fights the fighter that Frank planned to enter in the Sparta tournament is injured. So Brendan convinces Frank to enter him as the replacement. And so then you get to you get to the martial arts tournament. And this is honestly some of the best. And like I said, I'm a huge fan of the Rocky films. Those Rocky films really don't touch the action in these movies. This is some of the best sports fighting action you will get in a movie. You've got tommy and brennan they they're gonna meet in the finals but how they get there is completely different tommy is destroying everybody knocking them out quick seconds in the final four he absolutely obliterates mad dog again brutally knocking him out some of those tommy fights were brutal how he knocked him out meanwhile brennan it's rough the first fight He's, he's got to win by submission every time, and it's it's a grind. He is getting destroyed in all these fights. He's taken punishment, and he's able to lock in different submission holds and get the wins, gets to the final four where he's got to fight Koba, who's the undefeated Russian, never fought in American soil before, and his first two fights were absolutely dominant in the 16-man tournament. He's He dominates him the first two rounds. Finally, Brennan gets the rolling knee bar, and then he quickly reverses and readjusts the knee bar to narrowly win by submission, and you just feel it in the eye. Every time Brennan wins, you're like, yes! That's how I feel. Even when I've already seen the movie, I just get that euphoria of, yes, man, that's who you want to win. As much as you love Tommy's character and you root for him, you want to see Brennan win. And the very emotional, sad part about this is right before the final four, there's the scene where Tommy, it's in Atlantic City, he's in the casino, and his dad confronts him. And again, for the second time, Tommy tells him, you know, I liked you better as a drunk. You had balls then. And then he, he said, get out of here, throws the coins at him. And so he walks off, and then he comes back to the room, and he's relapsed, he's hit the bottles, and it's just very sad. And then you see Tommy, of course, It's what Tommy knows best, how to take care of his drunk father, and he does it again. And so then Tommy goes out. No ring music, by the way, for Tommy every time. This time he has no trainer coming out there because he had his father training him. Like he said, he told him that this was only about fighting. There's no makeups or nothing like that involved in this, just fighting. And so that's what happens. So then you move on to the final fight. Tommy versus Brennan and Tommy absolutely is terrorizing Brennan early. But then Brennan is able to break his arm and Tommy continues to fight. And then you get the emotional scene at the end where Brennan's got the choke on him and he says, Tommy, I'm sorry. I love you. I'm sorry. Just and he finally taps out and you get this emotional scene where they both confront each other, and you just the movie ends with them walking off with Tommy and Brennan's arms, and it's a powerful moment. You see the dad came there to watch the fight. He was able to see the final fight, and he just acknowledges it, and it's just a very, very emotional but happy ending for the two, and it's, it's crazy. Like, Tommy... Regardless of if he left his troops, he did do that. But he also saved a bunch of troops by ripping the door off a tank just because he happened to see them as he was leaving and he dipped out. I mean, just three great characters, the father and the two brothers and Brennan was able to win the 5 million. It's just uh what a great great movie. I can't recommend this movie enough. It's oh man, it's fantastic. Just an absolutely classic movie. But coming in at number four is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. The 2018 computer animated superhero film featuring the Marvel Comics character Spider-Man. But not your typical Peter Parker Spider-Man. This is the Miles Morales Spider-Man. We finally get Miles Morales on the big screen in the Jays. This movie is absolutely fantastic. It's the first animated feature film in the Spider-Man franchise. And it's now set in a shared multiverse called the Spider-Verse. Which has alternate universes. Oh man this movie. Let me say. Why is this movie so great? First of all. The way that the film was made. It, may, it was made to look like a comic book on screen. I've never seen an animated film like this. Honestly this may be my favorite animated movie of all time. I would say it's between this and... And Toy Story 2, those are my two favorite animated movies. It would be between those two movies for my favorite animated movie. But this movie is absolutely fantastic. It is my favorite Spider-Man movie, which is very hard to say. Because Spider-Man, of course, is my favorite superhero. And I love the character Miles Morales. A lot of people don't like him uh, because they don't think his stories are very good. I find Miles Morales' Spider-Man to be very interesting. Of course, you have Spider-Gwen in there. Uh, Gwen Stacy's alternate universe character where she gets bitten by the radioactive spider then you have spider pig you have many uh, spider noir all kinds of different spider men and then of course you have the Peter Parker of course the Peter Parker of miles universe is killed but you have the Peter Parker from another world whose life is totally different from the Peter Parker we knew in this universe in Miles' universe this spider man had everything in this one. He lost Mary Jane. He's fat. He's eating fast food. He's lost his way. And it's just such a great, great story of especially the three title characters of the Miles Morales, the Gwen Stacy, and the Peter Parker. And it's really the Peter B. Parker. You've never seen a Peter Parker like this. And that's why I really enjoyed about this movie was that it focused on Miles Morales and his story and everything that came with the emotions of his story. But we also get... Peter Parker and not the typical Peter Parker that's what I loved about this movie getting a different perspective of Peter Parker what if his life went differently than what's typically portrayed in Spider-Man uh, lore just an absolutely fantastic movie again every movie in this list of course is fantastic but this one is just it's something that blew me away and how it was animated and how it was done great great story lots of emotions in this if you haven't seen this movie go see it. There's nothing else you have to watch before it or after it. It's just, it goes on its own for right now. And honestly, there's going to be more movies in this type of universe with this type of animation. There's so much that can be done. I hope they can bring Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, and Tobey Maguire together on screen in this type of universe. Oh, there's so much there is so much that they can do with this universe and i just can't wait to see what else they do um miles and Ralph's wearing the jordans i loved it i actually have the spider-man ones not the regular spider-man ones the reflective ones with the special box i got lucky getting them on ebay for as cheap as i did uh but man absolutely fantastic movie But coming in at number three is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, my favorite movie from 2019, and I almost feel bad ranking Spider-Man at four, but now you get to the top three and you've got three absolute bangers, some of the best movies of all time in my opinion. This one's a comedy drama film written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, who I thought definitely deserved the Oscar for Best Director. I know Parasite was fantastic, I thought Once Upon a Time also deserved Best Picture, but that's just me. Again, I'll have to watch Parasite again, to be honest. I thought it was really good. It's just a little harder to follow, and I don't think it was better than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This is a film that changes history. It really does a great job of Really sudden, the, the, the Manson murders, but they take their own spin on it. You see these stories with starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, and Brad Pitt was absolutely fantastic, well-deserving of the Oscar, in my opinion. Of course, it stars Rick Dalton, who was played by Leonardo DiCaprio, and of course, his stunt double, Cliff Booth, played by Brad Pitt. And these guys are two best friends, but Leonardo DiCaprio, this may be his best performance of his career, showing off the kind of aged actor past his prime and he's really suffering from that disease of alcoholism the scene in the trailer is so powerful he's i'm not drinking again and then he quickly just slams the bottle of whiskey i believe it was and he throws the bottle and it's just such a powerful message because he kept messing up those lines in that scene He goes back to the trailer and then he kind of has a redemptive where he where he's able to successfully deliver those lines after this scene. And he's really able to turn it around. He does some of his best work. And it all builds up to me. to the end. And Cliff Booth, played by Brad Pitt, he steals the show in a lot of his scenes. Again, I came into this movie kind of with raised eyebrows just because I heard about what they did to Bruce Lee. And what they did to Bruce Lee was really, really bogus. I got to get that out of the way I'm still pretty mad about that but I've softened up to it only for this reason you have to realize this isn't an exact telling of what happened back then this is a fiction story based on something that happened in real life it's changing history so I just didn't I still don't like the fact that they made Bruce Lee seem like a pretentious jerk I just didn't like that. Bruce Lee was not like that. He would never have disrespected Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali like that. Bruce Lee worshiped the ground that that man walked on. Um that was very disrespectful in my opinion to do that, but at the same time again, this is not a this is not fact what this movie is. It's more of taking what happened in real life and spinning it. The Manson murders, right? Those those Manson families and boy, that scene where Where Cliff Booth goes into the Manson uh, spawn ranch. What a creepy scene that is. And he beats the hell out of that one guy. Who busted up his tire. Who uh, popped his tire. And he makes him fix it. And then they go up. It looks like they're going to try to kill Sharon Tate. Who was played by Margaret Robbie. And she did a really great job playing Sharon Tate in this movie as well. But instead of that. who Obviously in real life sharon tate was eight months pregnant she was killed by them instead of showing that they decide when leo's character rick dalton just you know berates them and yells at them and tells them get them damn hippie get out of my get out of here this is private you guys are here to smoke dope and he's yelling at him and everything they decide we're gonna kill him Who, who who taught us violence the tv stars rick dalton so they go in and it's it's Cliff Booth is in there and you've got this creepy scene. I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil's deed or the devil's work. And of course, all of a sudden you hear that and that Cliff Booth's dog, that pit bull comes and woo, gets his arm and it's just a crazy. Cliff Booth brutally kills two of them. Then the other girl goes to the back, smashes through the window. Rick Dalton who was you know, drinking some mimosas, some drinks in the in his nice pool, sitting on the recliner, the inflatable recliner. He gets goes into his garage, he pulls out the flamethrower and just massacres her. With the flamethrower just burning her to a crisp. What an epic ending scene and just an epic epic movie. Again, if you haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you have to have to see this movie there's no other way around it, it's it's unbelievable, it's great, but it comes in at number three, because coming in at number two is another Leonardo DiCaprio movie, this one directed by Martin Scorsese, The Wolf of Wall Street, that comes in at number two, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, who plays Jordan Belfort, it recounts, it, excuse me, it recounts, jordan belfort's perspective on his career as a stockbroker in new york city and how that firm stratton oakmont engaged in the rampant corruption and fraud on wall street which of course led to his downfall and this movie is an absolute wild ride margaret robbie of course is in this as his second wife as he has his first wife and he ends up leaving her for margaret robbie's character of course jonah hill playing his business partner and friend, Donnie Azoff, And boy, Jonah Hill was unbelievable in this movie. This is Jonah Hill's best performance. He had those teeth in his mouth and the way he was able to get that rasp in his voice. This movie is just a wild, wild ride. This is not a movie that, you. just like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, this is not a movie you want to show to kids, that's for sure. This is very inappropriate. It broke the record. For most F-bombs used in a movie. I think the only movie that's ever used more F-bombs. is. I think it still stands to this day. To this day. (laughs) Shout out to Deontay Wilder. But to this day. I think it still holds the record. The only movie that had more. Was the documentary about the F-word itself. So. I mean just an absolutely fantastic movie again. Of course. I've had my problems with Martin Scorsese. And what he said about. Um. You know, superhero movies. And it gives me great pleasure in knowing that as much as I love this movie, I put it in a number second. And it gives me great pleasure that Martin Scorsese lost out to the movie that's number one. But I'll get into that in a second. This movie is absolutely fantastic. You could easily put it at number one in the decade. You could say it's the best movie of all time. Honestly, it's one of the best. It's one of my favorites. I have the poster. I had it in college. I still have this poster. Of the, of the scene at the beginning of the movie where um, Jordan Belfort goes through his whole daily routine and all the different drugs that he takes. Just an absolutely insane movie and just you see this wild, wild ride that Stratton Oakmont had and all the drugs and hookers and everything that came with it and this life. And it all leads to this tremendous fall from grace. Of course, you're not going to last forever. The the One of the best scenes of the movie, of course, is when the... Private investigator uh, from the FBI comes and talks to Jordan Belfort. He tries to buy him off in his face. Then he says, "Look what I have here. Here's your salary. You know what I call these fun coupons?" He just throws all the money at him as he's walking. I take the leg. Like, throws a lobster at him. Oh man! You know that that cop just wanted to bust him so bad after that. It gave him great pleasure in interrupting his his ad that he did. And oh man, it's just. I can't say enough about how great this movie is. It's a wild, wild ride. Martin Scorsese is one of the best directors of all time. Again, old man Scorsese. Again, I have problems with him but he did an absolutely fantastic job at them, but Martin Scorsese, he lost in this race, that's right, Martin Scorsese lost to a comic book movie, to a superhero film, I thought superhero movies weren't real movies, I thought that they were ruining cinema, but no, Martin Scorsese, you have lost, that's right, because coming in at number one is Avengers Infinity War, the really culmination and as great as avengers endgame was and endgame honestly makes infinity war even better because it wraps up the story perfectly but avengers infinity war is definitely the number one movie of the decade and as much as i love the wolf of wall street as much as i love once upon a time in hollywood as much as i love spider-man into the spider-verse and as much as i love warrior none of those movies compare to me to avengers infinity war honestly in my opinion there are only three other movies that really can compare to avengers infinity war you will see that on my top 20 favorite movies of all time infinity war i can tell you is definitely in the top five there are three other movies i can say it's in the top four to be honest there are three other movies that compare to it i won't even say what those movies are you'll just have to find out when you listen to that one but Avengers: Infinity War for sure is number one, and it honestly, again, it gives me great pleasure in saying that Avengers: Infinity War beat out Martin Scorsese's The Wolf of Wall Street. Honestly, I really hope Martin Scorsese is able to listen to this at some point. I'm I, I love Martin Scorsese's great. He's he's a goat, no doubt about it. I just do not appreciate what he said about comic book movies and superhero movies. They are not ruining films. Far from it. Why don't you make a movie that makes 2.8 billion like Endgame did? But anyway, let's not talk about Scorsese hate because I have no hate for him. I just hated what he said about comic book movies. But that's okay. Avengers: Infinity War is absolutely fantastic because this movie, honestly, the superheroes are actually the villains of this movie. That's right. The hero of this story. This is Thanos' story. The best MCU villain by far. What a job! marvel did of course anthony and joe russo directing this movie it is the sequel to 2012's the avengers and 2015's avengers age of ultron but it's really the culmination of about i think this was the 19th or 20th film in the mcu but man they did a fantastic job every character really gets his due i know captain america and his kind of he did not get as much of a due but you see tony stark and doctor strange you see that their banter Great job pairing them together. And Spider Man, Peter Parker, he's fantastic. But of course, the best part of this movie is Thanos. Every time Thanos is on screen, he steals his scenes, his voice. Josh Brolin does an absolutely fantastic job. I love Josh Brolin's voice, it's unbelievable. His Thanos voice is crazy great. Absolutely love it. Man, I can't say enough about this movie. I mean, look at the star acting power that is featured in this movie you got robert downey jr chris hemsworth mark ruffalo chris evans scarlett johansson benedict cumberbatch john excuse me don Cheadle, tom holland chadwick bozeman paul benetti elizabeth olsen anthony mackie sebastian stan dave batista zoe zaldana josh brolin of course and chris pratt i mean this film of course the Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy are attempting to prevent Thanos from collecting the six all-powerful Infinity Stones of course the movie starts off and I've done a whole podcast about Avengers Infinity War and Endgame where I've gone through the entire movie so that's not what I'm gonna do but you know it starts off with Thanos wreckaging Thor's ship Thor and Loki and the Hulk the Hulk tries to fight him and you see right away they show Thanos his power he Beats the heck out of the Hulk. Knocks him out right quick. And it just it kicks up from there. Tony Stark and Doctor Strange again. Great, great chemistry between those two guys. And, of course, you have Tom Holland, Spider-Man in there. You get the Iron Spider suit, which I absolutely love. But everything leads up to, of course, the final scene where Thanos puts all six Infinity Stones. By the way, like I said, one of the best scenes in the mcu of course the captain america uh, and the winter soldier the fight in the elevator maybe the best scene in the entire mcu though is thor's entrance to wakanda where thor uh travels to middle Valir to forge uh, a weapon to kill thanos so he forms stormbreaker groot uses his arm to uh create the handle and he chops off his arm so he's created the axe and then you see thor's hand raises up it looks like he's dead because he took the whole power of the star i mean and then of course you get you see that they're having the fight on wakanda it looks like all of a sudden all those creatures that uh, thanos's black army has are gonna overwhelm them and it's over and all of a sudden you see the big burst of light through of course stormbreaker can summon the bifrost and then you see just the axe coming through chopping up a bunch of them and you just see the da 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 and then you just you hear the the music is just the music is absolutely fantastic in this scene it just it's something that just it blew my mind away in the theaters and it still does to this day just absolutely love this scene there's nothing that i don't love about this part of course you can hear it in the background just it just get it gives me chills to this day hearing this, and it's really the culmination of Thor's story from Ragnarok. You just see, you know, the, the bring me Thanos. Just such a great and powerful moment in the film. And then, you know, you you see when he comes up, the light changes, all the lightning coming through. And then, of course, it leads right into Thanos coming in on Titan where, of course, the Avengers, Iron Man, uh, you've got Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and the Guardians of the Galaxy that are with them, uh, which would be Drax the Destroyer, uh, and then Nebula does come through as well, and then of course Peter Quill, uh, Star Killer, Chris Pratt who plays Star uh, Star Lord, excuse Star Killer. That's that's from Star Wars. Uh, Star Lord, um, <laughs> Chris Pratt's character. Of course, it all leads up, and guess what? Chris Pratt, Star Lord, comes up with the plan, and guess what? It works. They've got Thanos beat. But what does Star Lord find out? How did he get? the soul stone Thanos had to sacrifice Gamora and that scene for Thanos was powerful it it killed him to do it you could tell he did not want to do it the only person that he loved and he breaks character he doesn't that's not what I meant but he he breaks what he every bone in his body could not let him just get away with that, he had to punch him, and I feel him, honestly, I know a lot of people always say, I hate Chris Pratt, I know people say, oh, I can't stand Chris Pratt, no, because he did that, first of all, it's just a movie, calm down, second of all, come on, man, that was his love, that's the only girl that he loved, like, let's be honest, because he was with a lot of girls in the past, but he didn't love any of them, but this was the girl that he loved, Gamora, that was his girl, he loved her, and so, for thanos to have killed her it snapped him and all of a sudden you know thanos rips him off and then of course he uses the stone the power stone to send a whole moon breaking the whole moon throwing it at him and you see the the confrontation the fight between thanos and doctor strange epic then the fight between iron man and thanos again you have the thanos doctor strange fight great the Iron Man, Iron Man stood up to Thanos. He tried his best. He got him to bleed a little bit. All that for a drop of blood. And then you see him stab him. You think Iron Man's going to die. Doctor Strange says, wait. He gives him the time stone. This all was for the time stone. He gives him the time stone to spare Tony Stark's life. Because, of course, in Endgame, as we all know, without Tony Stark, they would not have been able to save the universe. Thanos gets the stone, goes to Wakanda, He gets the final stone. It looks like Scarlet Witch kills Vision by destroying the Mind Stone. But guess what? Thanos has that Time Stone. He can just turn Time in reverse. Resurrecting the Stone. Knocking Scarlet Witch out of the way. Pulling the Stone. And that scene before he gets to them. Is so emotional where he's just fighting off. Everybody is trying to stop him, but there's no hope. Captain America is the one who puts up the best fight. And that is Captain America's moment in this film is where Thanos has the glove on him. He's holding him back, and Thanos just looks surprised that he's even doing it. Hits him with that punch, and honestly, at the time, I, oh, I'm like, oh, my God, he's dead. Like, he, he can't survive that, but he ends up doing it. Thanos gets the stone. Then, of course, you have Thor who hits him with Stormbreaker, and Thor saves the day. And I remember being in the theaters, kind of mad. I'm like, "Oh, this is this is dumb. Like, like this is typical. Like, they're not gonna do it. They're not gonna do what I was hoping they were gonna do. Like, nope. Thor was too. He wanted to revel in killing Thanos because Thanos killed his brother Loki, and of course." Thor wanted to look him in the eyes. He wanted him to suffer. But Thor should have just chopped his head off. Because he says you should have gone for the head. Snaps. And that's it. Half of life is gone. You see all the different characters evaporate before your eyes. Including Winter Soldier. The Black Panther. Come. This is no place to die. And then he goes. And then all of a sudden you see. You see Star-Lord. Drax. Doctor Strange. There was no other way. And he goes. And then of course Mr. Stark. The most powerful moment in the movie. Spider-Man going. And it's just such a gut-wrenching ending. And you just see Thanos wins. The end of the movie is Thanos in his garden. <sighs> With the exhale just looking ahead. Of course you have the post credit scene of Sam Jackson. evaporating. Oh no. Motherfucker and then he just see back i love that touch by marvel of course they can't say the mf bomb but they let sam jackson almost get his his move his classic line in there and then of course it says thanos will return not the avengers will return not the first time a villain's name popped up on that screen just absolutely fantastic movie most definitely is the number one movie of the decade and of course unfortunately that's all the time we have for you today thanks for listening to change the game again next week's episode is we're going to start off tomorrow afternoon monday afternoon it's the nba episode i'm talking all about all-star weekend i'm giving you a little bit of my experience from all-star weekend as i was at first take and the jumps live tapings on thursday from navy pier so i'll talk all about that i'll talk all about the all-star game i think i'm going to do it may top 10 dunk contest champions of all time. We'll talk about all the events from All-Star Saturday night, Friday night, and of course the All-Star game, which is tonight. So thank you so much for joining us. And again, that NBA will be the next one. And then we're taking a little break up until Friday because live from Viva Las Vegas, it is the next, my second boxing episode where I go over I go over my experiences from Las Vegas so far up to there. I'm going on this coming Thursday. I'm going to be there for the Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury rematch. So I am so excited. I hope you guys are excited too. If you're friends with me on Snapchat, Facebook, whatever, I'm going to be live on Snapchat. I'm going to probably do a Facebook live uh, from Las Vegas. I'm going to do a bunch of stuff for this fight. Believe me when I say I am so excited for this fight, and you guys should be too. So get ready for that because we're going to have live from Las Vegas the next boxing episode of Change the Game, all for the Deontay Wilder-Tyson Fury rematch. Live from Las Vegas. So, see you then. Guys, have a great day and thanks for listening to Change the Game.